What's up, guys? I am Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report, episode number 100. And it is unlike anything we've ever done before. So um, <laughs> it's another off-topic episode. Um, we had Mandy from Melbourne. She is a mindset coach for stockbrokers on the Australian market. Um, really interesting person. Um, she is someone that the chimp uh, got to know uh, via Twitter. Um, Chimp is also involved in the stock market as well, um, and they kind of hit it off, and she's a really positive person, uh, a really a really nice person, just someone that's really easy to talk to, and, you know, he kind of came to me and said, you know, this is something that I think we should do, and I, you know, I got to talk to Mandy a little bit um, off air, and <clears throat> what we found was, especially in the conversation, was the correlations between um, mindset and strategy are applicable in both circumstances, both in trading as well as basketball. And, you know, it it was eye-opening as the conversation went along how many parallels are actually very, very similar in both both situations. Jesus. But, um, you know, I I don't have a whole... it was it was awkward for me at the beginning because I didn't really know where the show was going to go or how we were going to get there. But as as we got moving, it was just it, it was very interesting to me. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed it. The chimp enjoyed it. Um, Mandy certainly enjoyed it. It was one of well, it is the first uh, episode of ACCBR that we've done over Zoom. So I'm not sure how the audio matches up to what we typically do. I'm hoping it sounds all right. I didn't see any audio drops like what we had with Connor the week before. So, um, hopefully everything came out. All right. I hope you guys really enjoy it. Uh, I hope, you know, you learn something and and kind of step outside your comfort zone. This is not a basketball podcast. This is an off topic podcast, similar to other off topic stuff that we've done recently, not in the same vein as either one of those, as far as, um, hardships for, you know, um, sexuality or, or um, or race or, or anything like that. So this is this is something that we've never done before, but it was also very fun. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. This is Mandy from Melbourne. Thank you. Farrell turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock. Doesn't get it. Five seconds to play. Down the floor, a Kogi. Welcome to ACC Basketball Report. Today is a is an interesting uh, episode for us. Um, it's an off-topic episode. One of the things that that made me kind of gravitate towards having today's guest on is since the you know the suspension of sports, especially in college basketball, um, we're starting to see them trickle back. But one thing I've gotten into is playing around in the stock market. And the chimp um, brought to my attention a, a young lady that he's been talking to on Twitter, uh, whose name is Mandy. She is a she's a coach, a mentality coach. Um, in Australia for for brokers and traders and I thought it would be an interesting show because I know some people that, that follow us online are also dabbling in the market I talked to a bunch of you about it here and there so <clears throat> I'd love to welcome Mandy um, who's joining us from Melbourne Mandy how are you doing tonight uh, hi thank you so much Michael for having me on your show and um, it will be such an interesting conversation and, and thank you to Chimp for making the connection um, yeah, I mean, you guys are in the field of basketball. Um, I'm a performance mindset coach in the area of trading. And um, 
Chimp and I, we had a little bit of a conversation behind the scenes and saw how many similarities, but also differences are in, in, in the both professions. Chimp, so uh, Chimp, you kind of put this whole thing together for us. Um, what, what, what drew you to Mandy and, and what had you set this conversation up? Well, um, I, I trade for a living. Okay. And uh, so I, I found Mandy, thankfully, on Twitter. And she is a rarity on Twitter. She's kind. She's intelligent. <laughs> uh all, you know it's very yeah very much different from what you normally see on twitter but i started following her she offers great insights she's incredibly nice she laughs at all my tweets so it's just it's worked out great for sure i didn't know that you i didn't know that you traded for a living so there we go we're learning something new already um yes i do and and, and i tell you michael uh, what got this conversation started uh, the the mix of basketball and trading, Mandy actually was kind enough to go listen to our podcast with Blake Lovell. Okay. And afterward, afterwards, she said, "Hey, Chimp, I enjoyed it," um, and and kind of brought it up. Hey, would you like you guys like to have me on? I think it would be interesting, and I thought it was a great idea. Yeah, so, Mandy, really Mandy, what are the explore that? Yeah, I was going to ask you, what do you think of the parallels between between trading and, and in sports in general or just basketball? So I have never played basketball. I mean, I played in school, but, you know, you can't call sure. it playing um, very different. Um, I have watched a few movies um, just to prepare myself. And then Jim said, that's actually not the reality. It's um, much different and kindly sent me a clip through from Bobby Knight. And he said, that's the reality. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, there is similarities when it comes to performance full stop, right? So all the high performers have certain traits that um, are common to all of them. It's the way they are thinking. It's the way they are um, um, dealing with pain and stress. It's the way they are um, experiencing life. So, for example, um, do they feel that there's always a way, there's always a solution, there's always, even though it's hard, but they will find a way to make it happen? Or do they see life as being hard and unfair and um, they need someone to show them the way and they can't do it on their own? So there's certain patterns of thinking and feeling and interacting with the world that tell us if it if a person will become successful in their chosen field. And so that's the inner world, right? I don't know if you guys know the book, The Inner World of Golf, and um, I forgot the author, um, sorry, The Inner Game of Golf. And I think he wrote a few inner game books and The Inner Game of Tennis. And so we have the inner game that is pretty much the same for every high performer. But then also we have the outer game. That's the context within we have to perform, and that is slightly different. So if you look at trading, for example, there's, it's just nonstop, right? You can get into a trade every second and trade around the clock anytime. Um, in, in basketball, that's not possible. So you are on the court, you have your hour on the court, and it's the make or break. The advantage is that you can then, after the game, go and, and do assessments of what you could have done better, how you could improve, and um, you can, you know, get yourself mentally and physically back together. 
in trading, the danger is that we don't do that, and then we go into what I call binge trading or uh, what's been called trading on tilt. So you just keep going, executing trades until your account is <laughs> is gone. Right. So the context of sport is different to the context of trading. So do you find that, you know, because certainly there's different, uh, I guess, personality traits. Do you find that one particular personality seems to succeed in the market? Um, Cause you know, most of the time we're finding, especially in basketball at the highest level here that, you know, alpha guys, um, guys with just extraordinary confidence and, and ability to believe in themselves are the guys that succeed the most. Do you think Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, um, is that a personality type that would succeed in your mind in, in trading in the market or is there other specific characteristics that you look for as for those people that are successful? Yeah. So to preframe for you, I believe anyone can become successful. Anyone. And, uh, and I know I'm being debated about that a lot. You know, a lot of traders say, no, this is, you know, you either have it or you don't. And it's like, I don't buy your limitations. Don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Um, however if we look at traders or athletes who are successful it is always the alpha and this is not limited to being male or female it's it's, as you said it's a trait Um, a lot of it is personality so we need to look at what is personality and what is trained behavior in research there has been found that about 40% of our behavioral patterns are genetic. Um, mm-hmm. So they're ingrained in us. And 60% of our behaviors are learned behaviors. Emotional responses and view of the world, so beliefs, values, um, um, who we, uh, identity, right, who we think we are in context of the world, um, that is learned. That is not in our genes. This is from our environment. And so if only 40% of our uh, um, traits or behavior is genetic, that means I can work on the 60% and can help anyone to become successful as long as they keep playing with me. And so, um, for example, when I watched this game, what was called Miracle, about the ice hockey coach who put together a very young team of ice hockey players, um, average age 21 in the US and trained them for the 1980s Olympics in Mm -hmm. Lake Placid to beat the Soviet team. Like they were a bunch of crazy young um, naughty kids, Mm -hmm. but he trained them so hard and they were willing to train with them. They were willing to give their all. And that's why he could lead them to success to beat the Soviets. But if one, someone is not willing to give their all, then there's nothing the coach can do. So that's the limitation, the only limitation that I see. I never buy into the limitations of my traders. When someone comes to me and say, I can't because I'm like, bullshit. Let's find a way. <laughs> I know right. you can find a way, right? So that's my job. And, see, coach, she's, mm-hmm. she's starting to sound like Bobby Knight. She bit is, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Just don't be throwing so, any chairs. Oh, right. That could be a new tool that I can add to my toolbox. (laughs) (laughs) Chimp, I know you had uh, prepared, so uh, go ahead and... uh, Absolutely. We've kind of touched on the the first thing I had prepared as far as the... um, 
the the traits of traders uh, and that you know and athletes and that kind of thing. Now I just want to get to some questions that I have for Mandy. And the first one, Mandy, is the the fear of losing and failure is prevalent in sports. It's prevalent in trading and it's prevalent in gambling. How do you address the fear of failure and losing with your clients and get them to overcome it? Yeah. Awesome question. So fear of losing and failure is not the same for everyone. And you mentioned alpha guys before. So for an alpha guy, the fear of losing and failure is a very different experience than how would you call someone who's not alpha, who's like the opposite end? How do you call these people in your language? Betas. Oh, come on. They're less than beta. Omegas. (laughs) Omega, I believe. Omegas. Yeah. 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 Um, So for an omega, the fear of losing is very different than for an alpha. Mm-hmm. So we need to first identify what is the fear of losing about for this particular person. And then we can dig deep and, and, and help them to overcome it this way. So a fear of losing for an alpha is always about um, not being good enough to, um, to take care of the people they need to take care of. Yeah, so it's all an alpha always wants to take care of people. Um, they want to make the team look good. So the worst thing for them would be to let the team down. And then we need to address that fear. Whereas for an omega, the worst fear would be to be ostracized, not to be loved, not to be acknowledged. And then we need to address that fear. So there is no blanket answer that I can give. But what I can um, say to you in general is, find out what that fear of failure is about for you and then address it. And I think fear of failure is really healthy. Fear of failure is what drives the alpha guys. Right. And um, fear of failure on the flip side is what keeps the omega guys stuck in the hole. Yeah. Wouldn't you say that if, uh, if an alpha actually experiences loss, that they would find it, they would be able to cope with it I guess, easier and see it as a challenge to recover or have confidence in themselves that they would be able to recoup whatever they lost? Yeah, for, for an alpha, there is no other way. Right. They cannot allow themselves to fail. They need to come back. Whereas the omega is running, going to run away and hide. Right. And so you can say that's the fight and the flight response, right? Mm-hmm. So where is that coming from? This is coming from you guessed it, the thing that no one wants to talk about, our upbringing. In our upbringing, we have been conditioned. And so I'm generalizing here. Um, Generally speaking, the firstborns are the alphas. Why? Not because they're firstborn, but because the parents treat the firstborn very differently than the second, third, or fourthborn, and so on. And so there is something that we call roles, family roles, sorry, dynamics, roles and family dynamics. And when I see... Um, how someone was being brought up and I don't need to go back in childhood and explore that. I just need to find the patterns. As soon as I see the patterns of what was it that you were being acknowledged for? How were you being treated when you came and you said you have a problem? Um, So for example, the alphas I see a lot, they were being looked at so capable. They would go to a parent and say, I have this problem. And the parent would say, ah, you've got this, you know, you're a big boy or you're a big girl. You, um, I, I, I think you know how to solve this. 
Whereas the youngest ones are usually being treated like, oh, poor little you, let me help you, let me rescue you. And they never learn to take care of themselves. They never learn to find solutions to have mental toughness, to, 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 to stick it out, to fight it through, to find a way. So the self-belief is not something that's ingrained in our genes, that's in our personality. It's something that you have been taught by the people around you. And, and often it's not only the parents, it's especially the sports coaches. So I ask you, um, Chimp, about do players find um, Bobby encouraging when he swears at them and shouts at them and throws chairs? Or do they find him intimidating? And your answer well, was? It, it my answer was that if you really truly believe that the coach <clears throat> number one has your best interest at heart and two is really truly trying to help you become better then i think most players are okay with it um as time has gone on um players tended to not react as they would have say you know, maybe 30 or 40 years ago. As time went on, uh, players began to, to not really appreciate uh, that quite as much. But um, so, you know, it's just – and I'm sure you have clients that react uh, differently um, to, to, to different ways that you coach, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. So what I saw in him was um, something called a girl. <laughs> Um, I don't have a really good word for it. If you have one, please help me out. The, the um, I, I, I can think of a few for, for Bobby Knight. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, but go ahead. <laughs> and keeping it clean at the same time, right? That will be the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, what I see with traders and athletes who succeed, they have this this they lean into challenges they love a good challenge they seek out the challenge right? um, and they do that in every area of their life and not just in their sports now the traders and athletes who don't succeed they run away from challenges they're afraid of challenges and so when we have a Bobby swearing and throwing chairs the omegas would run away and would be afraid and would feel intimidated and would go hide because they don't like confrontation. Whereas in the alphas, that is triggering their girl. You know, the, the group is strong. I can do this. And it's like, um, you know, no fucking way I'm going to let this team beat me. I'm going to go out and give my best. And that's what's triggering in those, in those players. And that's why he might... Um, have been able to encourage and and inspire a certain type of players, but not every player. And a team cannot just be alpha. There needs to be a mix because when you have a mix of alphas and betas, that's a beautiful um, dynamics in the team. And so he would not be able to encourage the betas. And that's why we can't treat every player or every trader the same way. We need to look at what encourages the one and what encourages the other. And it's not the same style. So I have traders, right? You know how they say you have to be focused and disciplined and you have to deal with your emotions and, and you have to um, meditate. 
I have traders who throw monitors <laughs> and you know who you are. He's on Twitter and he sends me <laughs> photos on DM, right? Um, there goes another monitor and I just love it, right? Or keyboards. He needs to do that. When he has made a mistake, he needs to get it out of his system so he can get on and look into the future and look for the next trade. Well, Mandy, Mandy, I'm glad you said that because I've broken a few monitors myself. I feel better already that you said it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever rocks your boat, whatever brings you back into peak performance. That's what you need to do. There is no right or wrong. So I, th I think one thing that I think, especially in the example of Bobby Knight, and I know you don't have a whole lot of experience with him, Mandy, but I know the chimp does is the one thing I think that, that led to his downfall was he couldn't identify the players that could take it from the players that couldn't handle the criticism. Yeah. So as a mentality coach, it's very important that you identify certain traits amongst your, your, your traders where you can be, you can, you can hit them a little harder than maybe you can, you know, player B or player A yeah. and how you trade and talk or how you treat and talk to them. <clears throat> if I would go to chimp and say, Oh, come on, you can do it. You're all good. Like all being swooshy and sweet. He would just run away. Right. <laughs> I think chimp <laughs> needs someone who says, come on, dude, you've got it. Oh, get your act together. Throw some keyboards. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a keyboard glow. thrower as well, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you need to do. Whereas, so generally speaking, what I look for is who has believed in you when times were tough? Who had your back? Was there someone? And if there was someone, then usually you need a girl conversation. If you were someone when never no one ever believed in you. They always believed in your limitations. You're not good enough. You're too small. You're too emotional. You're too this. You're too that. You can't succeed. They need, they need the love and the, um, I know it's really hard and, you know, find that place within you where, um, where you, where you find certainty and security and no matter what happens, I'll have your back. I'll be in your corner. And so that's the different conversations that need to be had. The outcome will still be the same. They both will perform like world champions. Well, one, that, mm -hmm. that last word that, the, that you use, Mandy, outcome, leads me right into the next question. Uh, and I think this question is pertinent really for anyone listening, um, be it athlete, be it trader, gambler, whatever, is how do you deal with someone who is too focused on the outcome versus being focused on having a process and sticking to that process. Yeah, I think we're talking about 90% of the population here, aren't we? <laughs> mm. Yes, yes, for sure. So again, this is how we have been brought up in society, in school. It's always the outcome. And, and now they're going the opposite. I don't know about America, but in Australia, it's all about, oh, you gave your best, you will be fine. No, that's the other extreme. It's screwing them up just as much. You know, it needs to be a middle path. So when I have someone who is focused on the outcome, I know that they have not learned how to, um, how to set benchmarks for process. What does process even mean? And in trading, the challenge is that first you need to have a process that you know works in order to have an outcome. 
But I think also the question you ask as well, like so many people, they just jump into the markets. It feels good. You know, it triggers all our emotional needs. It gives us, you know, adventure, variety, connection. We feel significant. We grow, right? So it, it fits a lot of um, um, our, what Tony Robbins calls the six core needs. But it also leads to downfall if we don't learn a skill. And most traders don't know how to do that. Now, in sports, there is certain um, certain um, rules on how to succeed, right? So in order to um, shoot a hoop, you have to have certain arm movements. You have to jump a certain way. You have to do certain things. And everybody can follow that and practice. In trading that's not the case in trading there's a million and one approaches and it's like which one is the one that works which one's the one that works for you and that's the biggest challenge for traders right so number one they don't know how to have a process how to have a how to find a strategy that works for them and so they go the easy path they just look for outcome um i think it's a lot education that's being needed and traders need to fall down really hard before they understand that process is important. So it's when they fall down and lose their account, they either make it. So they're the alphas. They're like, oh, that didn't work. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to um, get my act together and do that properly like a professional. And then the omegas, they're the ones who say, oh, it's all a scam. Um, trading doesn't work. It's all a lie. Um, only the brokers are the ones who are going to win and they're going to give up. So my, my, yeah. my, my strategy is buy low, sell high. Um, yeah, love it. Teach <laughs> <laughs> me. Uh, you know, we spoke a lot of this stuff off, off air um, while we were working out some technical difficulties, but um, you know, it's the, the funniest thing to me about the market is that it's such an imperfect science and now I realize, that's because I didn't know that Chimp traded for a living before we jumped on the show tonight. I realized that I am the most novice on this call. But what I found and what I love is when I get alerts uh, about companies that I, that I have a piece of is they'll see some kind of mitigating factor as far as determining what determines the, whether the price goes up or down. And it'll say, history will show that when X happens, the price tends to, to, to rise. But then in the very next call, in the very next paragraph, it starts with, but that's not always true because, you know, this has happened yes. in the past as well. So it's like, it's, it's so imperfect that it really feels like a guessing game a lot of the time. It is. Yeah. And, and, you know, trading is gambling to a certain extent. Yeah. And, However, and, the yeah. And that's why we talked about, you know, as far as where there is no gambling or very little gambling available, um, the stock market has become the new sports gambling for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, and and the danger is in sports gambling. Um, you know, you you as far as I know from sports gambling, let's say you ra you gamble on horses, right? And then you have the race, and then you have to stop. Mm -hmm. And so you have this moment of pause. It's the same in poker. You have this moment of pause where you can gather your thoughts, get yourself together. Where you can't do anything. Where you have to wait. Whereas in trading, it's constant. There is no pause. In, in poker, the difference is you don't know what hands you would have been dealt with. So you don't know if you could have made that money back or not. 
Right. Whereas in trading, you get out of a trade and then this freaking things turn around again, goes in your favor and, you know, climbs Mount Everest, leaving you behind in base camp and you could have made so much money instead of losing money. So we always know what happened afterwards, right? Which, <laughs> which adds to the stress, which adds to the um, um, mistakes in decision making. So, um, again, the biggest problem why so many people are outcome focused is number one, they have not learned how to be any different. And you see the same in people running businesses. If you're only looking at how much money you made or how much money you lost in your business, you will never get anywhere. You need to have um, lead measurements. You need to have lag measurements. You need to have marketing skills, sales skills. Um, your products need to work well. You need to have a market that loves your products. You need to be able to communicate your, um, your, your, your message. So why was Apple so successful and other companies not? I don't know. Did you si guys see that um, um, little TED talk from Simon Sinek from 2011, um, The Power of Why? No. Oh, I have not. Really good. So, so the power says, of why? Yeah. Um, I can send you the link. Sure. And so he talks about most companies say, buy my product because I have this awesome computer. Buy okay, it. So. And people are like, oh, uh, yeah, whatever, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Apple said, we are revolutionizing the industry. We want to make it easy and, and we want this to be like a part of your life that helps you improve your life. And, and so people buy your passion and your vision and not your product because there's other companies who make better computers than Apple and they don't sell as much. Mm -hmm. And so in, in trading, it's the same, right? A lot of traders, they come into trading and say, I want to start trading because I want to make a lot of money, outcome focused. I want to uh, be able to get um, out of my shitty job that I hate so much. Right. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. I want to have my freedom. That's all outcome. There is no conversation about, I love the markets. I want to learn how the markets work. I want to find out um, um, what type of trading works best for me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think, <laughs> go ahead, continue. And so they either learned it or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of the, uh, I, I, I told Mandy off air, Chimp, that uh, you know I, I've only been dabbling in the market again, probably since mid-March. And one of the, the biggest things, one of the biggest lessons that I learned um, was I got or I received the, some kind of alert um, through my broker um, about a stock that I owned. And one of the stocks that I purchased was um, ERI, which is Eldorado Resorts, um, which is a casino operating um, company, holding company in, you know, based in Las Vegas. They have, you know, uh, casinos in New Orleans as well. And I received this alert. I bought this company at around 18 and change. And as soon as I bought it, it went to like 38. So this is where I made the first pretty substantial investment this spring when I got back into the market. And I received this alert that somebody was buying so many shares um, of this stock at the ask price. Now, this is when I found out that when this alert comes and if it's at the ask, ask price, they expect the stock to go up. If it's at the bid price, they expect the stock to decline. And as soon as this alert come by, come through, I texted my buddy and I said, what does this mean? And he didn't get right back to me. So I'm, I'm opening my, my brokerage account and I'm looking at it and it goes from 38 to 37 in about 14 seconds. And I'm like, okay. 
and then it goes from 37 to 36 in about four more seconds. And I'm really starting to sweat. Like I'm going to lose all this, you know, this is 104% increase in, in gain that I had seen that I didn't want to lose. And it got down to 34. I believe I sold every last cent of it that I had and I pocketed that money. And then um, El Dorado has recently merged with Caesars and that stock is now around 42, I think, or something like that. So it recovered. But anyway, the point of the story is um, sports gambling is rather benign as far as what you need to know. And if you're going to get involved in the market, um, there's just so much education and things you need to teach yourself before you actually jump in feet first. Yeah, I love that you say that. Well, it, 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 listening to that story, um, number one, my first thought is that Mandy, if uh, if if Coach was uh, trading futures, his head might explode. Would you agree? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, because the amount of movement that you're talking about, uh, the futures market gets really, really crazy and moves very, very fast. Uh, but I think the point of that story also shows, and I'll leave this to Mandy, is, is when emotion gets involved. Sure. Fear, yep. greed, that kind of thing. And that plays right into what Mandy does and what she helps people with. Yeah. And you heard that, didn't you, Tim? I did not want to lose that again. There you go. I mean, that was, that was, you know, I I saw green in that stock for, for four weeks. And as soon as it started consistently turning red and the numbers started getting smaller, I panicked and I dumped it. And, you know, to this day, I wish I hadn't because I, you know, after the merger, I think that stock's probably going to remain pretty strong. Well, Mandy, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that is kind of what I was talking about when it comes to process is that when you, especially in the futures market, before you enter a trade, you need to, to have a plan and you need to have, why am I entering this trade? Where's my exit? You know, all of those things need to be thought out before you hit the button. Now, Michael, you made a, a great investment with ERI, but then if you look at the end where you sold, you're thinking, hey, this thing could go back to 18. It's dropping like a rock. I got to get my money out of here. So that just, once again, goes to process, in my opinion. Yeah, the question is, how do you know? How do you know if the probability for it to go to 18 is bigger than the probability for it to go to 80? And that's what our job is about, right? So when you look at basketball, isn't it the same thing that you look at you, you study, and, and I think that's for all kinds of sports, you study your opponent. You study, and, and this is how the U.S. African team won, because the coach said no one was able to outplay the Soviet team in terms of stamina. And that's what he did with his team. He made them run until they puked, right? Mm. So he trained them that they, on the level of um, um, endurance, they could not be beaten. So we study our opponent. We look at this. What is their behavioral patterns? What is their strengths? What's their weaknesses? And we do the same with trading. Trading a futures um, uh, like, you know, the, the ES or the YM is very different to trading a stock. And, and, so- and Mandy, just, just for our listeners, ES is the S&P 500 futures and YM is the Dow wow. futures contract. And yeah. they move, they move very, very quickly. And uh, you can lose or make a lot in a hurry. Yep. In a hurry. 
<laughs> you've all been there. We all had to pay um, that money to find out that we need to have a process. Feels like yes. feels like poker. Feels like sitting down at a hold'em table where one hand, you know, can make your bank or it can put you out of the game completely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so again, the difference is po with poker is you don't know which hand you would have gotten next. So you don't have this huge sense of regret. Whereas in trading, you know how you said, Mandy, please don't make me look dumb. And I said, my job is not to make you look dumb. That's the, market, the job of the market. <laughs> That's what we experience every day. I got taken out at the top tick and then this thing turned around and plummeted. And it's like, without me, with a loss. And you have this huge sense of regret. Now, the difference between a trader who can succeed and a trader who can't and an athlete who can succeed and an athlete who can't is when they have made a mistake, when they have failed, whatever that means, they can be with that feeling of regret, with that feeling of pain and let that feeling be there and then continue doing their job on the court in the market. Whereas the guys who fail, They are so overcome by their shame about having failed the team, by their shame about um, not being good enough, giving up and never coming back. That is the difference. And that's my job to teach a trader, to teach an athlete, to be with whatever they're feeling and then to go out and still get, find that girl, you know. <laughs> and to succeed. Manny, do you find that there's a certain demographic that you're able to, that you're able to coach that is more receptive to your methods as far as, you know, the, the, the 20 to 30 crowd, the 40 to 50 crowd, male, female, um, any, anything like that, that where people may be more receptive or maybe more um, kind of brush you off when you're trying to get them in the correct mentality to be successful? Mm, I don't think it's so much a um, measure of, age okay. I have I think my youngest one is 21 years old um, really interesting story uh, about him he's an amazing guy um, challenging childhood uh, but I know he will be better for it and he recently started dating um, quite quite late right for his age and so he the way he trades his challenge in trading is that He overthinks all his entries. So he has a strategy that he has back-tested, that is proven, that is suitable for his personality and his behavioral patterns. But there's still this fear of getting into a trade. And then I said, okay, so where else in your life do you have this pattern? Because how you do one thing, you do everything. So, Jim, it would be really curious for me if you see how you performed on the court, if you do the same behavioral patterns in trading. Uh, in terms of when you didn't do well as well as when you did do well. Now, with this guy, what he did when it came to dating before his first date, he was Googling like a world champion how to do the perfect kiss. Um, <laughs> at what point do I take <laughs> a girl? You guys laugh, but you know, <laughs> I know why you laugh because you can relate. Uh, yeah, not not at 21, so, yeah. not at 21, but yeah, maybe earlier in my career, yeah. So, you know, when to take a girl, when to take grab a girl's hand, you know, when, when to ask her over and, you know, do it for the first time. Like, when do you do what? And that showed, um, again, he had a very challenging childhood. That shows the level of uncertainty he had. Sure. There's no father figure in his life, right? He grew up as 
uh, just with a mother. Um, no one who taught him who taught him what to do when you first fall in love, right? And and so he tried to figure it out for himself. And that's exactly what I see um, <laughs> traders do. The Google, how to be disciplined, how to how not to lose. Because the fear of losing, and this is what you said, Jim, the fear of losing is prevalent in sports, trading and gambling. And... Um, and it's the fear of protecting yourself from that pain. I think I lost my track, my trade of thought. Where did you start? What was the question? Sorry. <laughs> well, I, I, I took uh, one quote out of there that is extremely interesting to me, is you said, how you do one thing, you do everything. Sure. Ah, that was and, it, yeah. Yes, and um, you mentioned, you asked me, you know, what if I, my, how I played on the court relates to my trading and, and it does um and it's really fascinating i mean i haven't played basketball in you know 30 years so uh, but this these things still relate and that quote to me is absolutely fascinating how you do one thing you do everything interesting yeah. I, 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 I i will back that up as well because i i do uh, you know we call it we refer to it here mandy as as, as buyer's remorse is basically kind of what i'm gleaning from that is yeah um <clears throat> when you, when you jump into a new relationship, you know, is this, is this the person for me when I bought my first house, you know, was, was this the house I really wanted when I make a, you know, a, 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 a substantially, a substantial decision at work that could impact the project monetarily. I immediately question myself. And one of the things I do is I will call my project manager or another superintendent that works on my job site and try to gain their approval as to, do you think I did the right thing? So I, I think that I, I also agree that that quote holds a lot of water. And this is where it's so amazing because that gives us feedback on how we have to trade. What mm -hmm. are you naturally good at? So everything that you experience in your work and that you see other people experience, you will see in the markets as well. The buyer's remorse, right? Um, the seller's remorse in your case, why did I sell? And then they jump back into the market and then it turns out to be a losing trade because the reason why they got in was based on emotions and not based on analysis, on statistics, on metrics. So in, in, in going back to my, my embarrassing story where I wasn't educated enough to know what I was doing, say I was one of, say one of, I was one of your traders and you see me panic on that trade. I dump the stock. I, then I finally get myself educated and I feel like an asshole. What would be, what would be your, your strategy as far as coaching me to, to get out of that mentality, to get out of that regret, I guess. So I would not want to get you out of that regret. Okay. I leave you sitting in it. Okay. <laughs> like a dirty diaper. Like a dirty diaper. You need to learn your lesson. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? Most traders fail. Mm -hmm. And also the same in sports, in any area of life, in relationships. It's because they try to avoid that yucky feeling. And um, so that is not the pathway to success. The pathway to success in any area, and, and this is a quote that I put on Twitter recently, when you are an athlete, your muscles hurt, they're burning. And are you now someone who is going to give into that burn and give up and sit on the bench 
and take it easy? Or are you one who is loving the burn because you know right now you're at this crucial level of growth? Like when you can make it through that burn, you will have beaten the other, your opponent and your muscles will be stronger for it and your endurance will be better for it and you will be better player for it. So when we look at trading and you feel that pain, that is feedback for you. Nothing else. I call it the emotional guidance system. It is not something to be avoided. It's something to be worked with. When you have regret, that means that something didn't work well that you need to work on. Was it that the market, so generally speaking, right? Was it that the market was not suited for your strategy? Was it that your strategy was not uh, working for that stock? Um, was it that you didn't work your strategy? These are the three areas I look at. So in this case, I would say, ha, huh, um, Michael was kind of trading by the seat of his pants. Um, he got lucky. Yeah. Um, the market is in a strong bull market. The Fed buys up everything. We have this um, David Portnoy who started, you know, a new revolution. And he has this um, whole group of people behind him who maybe move the market, maybe not. I don't know. Um, so maybe as long as the market goes up strongly, you will be fine. But as Warren Buffett said, when the tide turns, then we see who has been swimming without their pants on, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I would do with you, Michael, is, and there was a little conversation we had before, I would look at your personality profiling as well as your behavior profiling because personality we cannot change. It is who we are. It's our genes. Whereas behavior we can change. So personality is if you're a marathon runner or a sprinter. Um, and that is in sports as well, right? If you're a defender or um, how do you call the guys who attack? Attacker. Mm -hmm. In soccer, as you said, you played soccer. Not everybody is um, suited to be an attacker and not everybody is suited to be a defender. So you, you need, or, or goalie, right? Who's in, in, in a goal. So you need to find out what is your personality profiling in terms of what are you naturally suited best in? And then I would look with you, what is your behavioral patterns that you do best? So I ask you, would you say you're more visual, more auditory, or um, more um, visual auditory, or um, what we call AD? I didn't ask you in that manner. But you said I'm clearly totally visual. Yes, absolutely. So someone who is AD, they're the ones who are good at math, who can read balance sheets, like you know Warren Buffett. Um, type of traders. And you clearly said, I'm not that. So why would I ask you to trade stocks and read balance sheets if that is not your strength? Right. I would then say, all right, you're visual. Go and study technical analysis. Start studying the structure of price, now price action. Start studying candlestick patterns. Start studying chart patterns. And then within that, we have certain grouping where um, you can trade, uh, you can study Elliott Wave, you can study Harmonics, you can study um, Ichimoku, you can study, as I said, chart patterns like double tops, double bottoms, and so on. Um, um, you can use moving average patterns. So within each category, you can then dig down and look at what are the tools that I can study that work best for me. I love candlestick pattern. I cannot read Harmonics for my life. So harmonics is like, you know, um, a crab pattern or a bat pattern. 
um, because the way my brain works is I'm more detail focused. I'm not a big picture structure person. Now, if I have someone who is, for example, an architect, they are usually um, big picture um, um, people, so they can look at structure. I would say to them, try out harmonics because that looks at the big picture structure of price movement. It doesn't look at detail like um, candlestick patterns. And but that's coach, I would start with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, coach, uh, if you need help with this for a small fee, I'm, I'm willing to train you. Okay, great. Sounds <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, awesome. um, you know, it, it's, it's, it, you know, I, we were talking offline here about how, you know, the, the whole marathon versus sprint thing. And I am, I, I, I was telling before you joined the chat, Chimp, I, I want to be a marathon guy. But I, when I got myself back into the market um, in the spring, it was it was like a crack addiction for me. I was I was in my portfolio every day, looking to looking to trade up, trade down. If I if I sell this off, um, I can buy you know double this stock, which is you know kind of what how it worked out when I when I um, when I dealt ERI out was I, I turned that into something else, made a little money, and I turned that into something else. So, but I felt like I was kind of stuck in neutral because I was making trades every day. Where I wanted to be was I wanted to make enough money because I didn't have enough in my bank account to invest initially. I was hoping to make some money off the pandemic. I was just being opportunistic. And I wanted to get into long-term companies that were maybe um, hit by the pandemic, but I thought that would recover. So, you know, what I wanted to do, and like I said, I'm in a group chat with some other people that, that invest very similarly to me and, and some similar companies as well. We share some information is what I wanted to do was eventually invest in companies with low volatility where I could just put it away, you know, collect dividends over the course of the year, not have to check it every day. Now I'm in those companies now and I like being in those companies, but I'm still in my portfolio every day, looking at everything every 15 minutes to see if I'm making or losing money. So I am a sprinter that wants to be a marathoner. Yeah. Well, the thing is we know that when you make money, that the same areas of the brain are being mm -hmm. stimulated. Like when you take mm -hmm. cocaine. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. No, oh, good. Oh. I didn't, I, you know I, I, yeah, I'm not a big cocaine guy. So mm. well, I've, always, I've always preferred the downers myself. So. So the market is your cocaine. Yeah, that's you right now it is for sure. <laughs> yeah. M Mandy, I have I have a, uh, a selfish question here, if you don't Go mind for it. me asking this. Anything. <laughs> How would you explain the fact that some days a trader or an athlete is an absolute coward and some days that same trader or athlete has zero fear and crushes everything in their path, uh, even though that their process should be the same every single day. How do you explain that? Hmm. So, um, again, it, it is very individual for everyone. So if we were looking at an alpha, Kissing the girl okay. would make you reckless. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that, that 21 year old boy who got his first kiss, he's probably the next day, he's probably thinking he's king of the world. So he's just going after it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> consider that. <laughs> Could be. But this is exactly where the conversation goes to where um, we all have experienced times of defeat. And 
was there something in your environment unconsciously that happened that um, reminded you of um, this time of defeat? Um, is there something where you maybe weren't congruent with your values, where you did something, you thought, oh, I shouldn't have that, done that, and then you feel bad about yourself. So again, it's it's really hard to give you a blanket answer, but what I've found is it's usually that a trader's not congruent with who they want to be. So I was actually working with a trader yesterday who, kick-ass trader, right, makes about 10,000 um, minimum a, a month, and his performance wasn't really good recently. And he said, oh, you need to have a chat, don't know what's going on. And then what turned out was that, um, again, he's in a relationship, that relationship doesn't serve him. Um, and he was trying to be a nice person and to be loyal and to to be encouraging and to stay with her. But that was at his expense. So he was putting himself um, um, last and her first and didn't do enough self-care. And that impacted his performance. Now he had this inner conflict of wanting to be loyal because that's his values, right? Um, he's a really loyal and nice guy. But at the same time, um, it wasn't serving him. It would keep him small. She really dragged him down. So, that's interesting, very interesting. Yeah. Well, we actually saw that, and and we I, I spoke about it briefly on a recent podcast with one of our guests. Um, there was a young man who played in the ACC um, in recent years who w was expected to be kind of a breakout player, expected to be a star player after some mm -hmm. some, some players left the program. Um, he struggled mightily um, in the first half of the season, and everybody wondered why. Nobody could figure out why. I mean, he's got the tools. He's shown he can be that player before. Mm -hmm. um, he, he ended up getting injured and, and missing most of the season that year. And later on that season, it, it came to light that his mother was actually suffering through brain cancer. Um, so, wow. it, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, outside influences. You can't just you just can't be in the zone all the time, I guess, is, is no. the kind of the moral to that story. <clears throat> and even him injuring, in my belief, anyone who injures themselves, so not talking about being run over and then having an injury, but injuring themselves is some sort of sabotaging behavior that has a deeper root cause. And I would look at anyone who has, I don't know, tears their hamstring or has a calf injury. Mm -hmm. It's always, always something that is related with an incongruence in life. Um, <laughs> That's interesting. I, yeah. I would love, I would love, I, I'm sure there, I'm not sure that you could scientifically study that, but I would love to see if there is a study on something like that to see if there is some kind of correlation. Mm. Yes, you can study it because when you have conversations with people, you find out what it is. Sure. And then, and then when they recover really quickly afterwards, otherwise, if they're, if they're still congruent, they have to reinforce that, um, that injury over and over again, they will never heal. So there is the people, so traders, athletes, who also want to succeed out of guilt and shame, and they think that they can find redemption in um, succeeding. So a lot of traders, they come to me and say, you know, I made some really bad financial decisions that had an impact on my family. If I can make that money back, then um, I will be redeemed, then, then I will be forgiven. 
And so they try to make that money back with all their might. But because they still feel incongruent and guilty and ashamed about what they have done, they will then force themselves onto the market. And that's also the difference between trading and 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 sports. And again, Chimp, you had this really cool question where you said um, the difference in, in, in sports is that you physically you can give it your all and lean in and fight for it. In trading, that creates the opposite result. The more you fight, the more mistakes you make. Well, and I think I use the term will to win in sports. You hear that a lot. Uh, You know, you have the will to win. Well, what I found is in trading, you know, you can have that will to win, but it it can turn into hope in a hurry. If you, you know, if you get uh, on the wrong side of a trade, it doesn't, the will to win goes out the window. Uh, So yeah, yeah, there's a big difference there. No question. It sounds like players on the court that press when they're struggling, Jim, is what that sounds like to me. That's exactly, that's exactly what it is. So can you tell me about players who press on the court? How does that, what is it that they do? What is it that they stop doing? Well, there, there's, that, a, there's a belief that, it, say a, a player's in a, a shooting slump. He's, you know, he starts the game one for five. Um, you know, you look at, it, it, you know, some, some players track their own performance, I'm sure. And when you feel that you're not having a good game and you're expected to have a good game, you then do things maybe outside of the coach's strategy or outside the team's um, normal, normal rhythms to try to get yourself back on track. And you can go mm-hmm. from, you know, being one of five from the field to one of nine from the field. And, um, you know, your team goes from, you know, hovering around three points down to being 12 points down and you just shot your team out of the game. Um, and that's just because you're trying to, maybe live up to expectations that you have for yourself or fans have for you or coaches have for you or, or things of that nature. Yeah. Love it. So that's again, outcome focused, isn't it? Sure. Yes, exactly. They're not very, focusing. Mm-hmm. very much so. Yes. It's outcome focused. And that's where someone like yourself, I wish I would have been able to talk to you 25 or 30 years ago when I played Um, being able to sit down with somebody like you when I did go through a shooting slump because they happen to everybody Mm -hmm. and you feel like you're doing all the same things and you're working hard and you're, you know, the the shot is coming off good, but they're just not going in. And somebody like you uh, could reinforce things uh, for an athlete um, when when it comes to going through slumps because everybody, it happens to all of us. Yeah. Yeah, you just let the, so, pro, you know, let the process work, let the strategy work, go through your normal, your normal rhythms and your normal actions. And if you're doing everything correctly, it should come back to you. But unfortunately, you want that gratification of, you know, working yourself out of it quickly. Yeah. If we look at, if it is always the same process, right, with, um, let's say, shooting a hoop, why is it that the ball doesn't go in? Same with playing golf, right? It's the same process. And sometimes um, you hit the ball in a way that it just goes into the, into the woods. Mm-hmm. It's those tiny muscle movements that make all the difference, which that probably don't have in trading. And then the question is, why is that these tiny muscle movements that they occur? It's usually the fear of something. So for your player who was expected to be the star player and then struggled, what I suspect is that there was grief around um, his mother. And um, anyone who has lost a parent, that is a deeply genetic feeling of 
I can't even explain what it is. And that's what he was confronted with. Um, abandonment and so on. So he would have needed someone that he could have confided in and who would gotten how he feels there. No one was there to prop him up and to say, come on, you can do it. Where someone would just say, I really get how freaking hard it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really get I... it. I feel your pain. Yeah, so even an alpha needs that when it comes to a parent. And then when they're feeling gotten, when they're feeling seen, when they're feeling heard and understood, I guarantee you that boy would have been on the court in no time and said, play for your mom. All she wants to know is that you're okay, that you're happy, that you do what you love. Because there would be guilt. I can only make assumptions now based on my past experience in working with people in that situation. Um, There would be guilt of being on the court and not with her. I would be so much going on for a young kid. And if you can then be the one in the corner who kind of takes over a, a parent role for that kid whilst he is going through the pain of knowing that he's going to lose his mom, he will perform and be the star player. Yeah, I'm a, uh, you know, well, I'm, thir- I'm 37. And if I was going to lose my mom, I don't know if I'd go to work at all. I'm nearly 40. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's genetic. Well, I have just one last thing for Mandy, and then uh, we are going to have to put Mandy in the bonus. Guys, is that okay? That, that, yeah, that's uh, Mandy, fine. I, I'm been, I feel like I've been laying on the couch here um, talking to my therapist. So, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, isn't it great? It, it, isn't it great, though? <laughs> it is. It is. It's absolutely liberating. But, Mandy, you put out something on Twitter that I saw uh, back into July. Uh, it's just a – it had to do with positive thinking versus possibility thinking. And basically there was a little more to the tweet, but if you could talk about most people, especially coaches say you need to think positive, just think positive. And this tweet, this tweet, I looked at it and went, man, that's that's an interesting way to put it. So if you don't mind talking about positive thinking versus possibility thinking. Yeah. So, uh, Positive thinking is saying, um, I have this string of losses and I can make it back. I will make it back. And, um, and, and, and positive thinking is, I don't feel bad. Um, I can only feel good. Um, it's not considering the downside. Because when we have a string of losses, and that's what I said to you before, Michael, I do not take traders out of their feeling bad. I would never take a player out of their feeling bad. I take that serious because there's a reason why they feel this way. Then I would say, what is your biggest fear? Let's go into the negative. What's your greatest fear? I was working with a trader who is an accomplished businessman in his 60s. um, And he wants to trade full time because his business went down with COVID. And he says, my greatest fear is that I lose everything in trading and I can't take care of my family anymore. He, by the way, is an alpha. Um, driven by fear, that's what made him so successful. And, and fear also comes with, you know, adrenaline, of course, and stress. And those these guys often get sick um, as they get older, which is something to consider. So I need for him not to think positively and say, I won't lose my money. I won't um, fail. I can do it. I need to sit down with him and say, all right, let's have a look. 
what would happen if you were to lose everything? What would happen if you could not take care of your family? And, 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 you know, it's the same fears that little kids have and they say, I'm afraid of the monster in the dark. And when you say to that child, don't be silly, you don't need to be afraid, there is no monster, then the child goes like, oh, okay, so this is what I'm feeling. This is what my ma big magical person says. They are always right because that's why they're <laughs> big and magical. I can't trust myself, but I'm still feeling that. And that's where the lack of trust in oneself is being planted. And not, parents don't do that because they want to be bad parents, because they don't understand that the fears of a child are very real for a child. So what we need, and, and when I speak to someone, no matter how old they are, I know that I'm speaking to the child within that is so afraid because the adult says, okay, well, these are the risks in my profession. How do I prevent those risks? So I need to go with that child and switch on the light and look underneath the bed and show the child, look, there's no monster, it's just a little cat. And so then the fear goes away. And the child can say, yes, I can trust myself. My fears are being taken serious. I can trust my big people. I'm being taken care of. So that's what we call um, um, secure attachment, where the child knows there's someone who has their back. And so when I talk about child, again, it's a child within that is the player being faced with, and that's the trader being faced with. And for that kid, right, that wants to be the star player and is afraid, that goes back to your previous question, what do we do when you have fear of failure? You really go in there and you say, what would happen if you fail? If you have the defining shot and you miss? And when we have gone through that, the fear dissipates, the fear goes away, I promise you. What needs to come with that, though, is, of course, you need to have trained and practiced and know that you are well prepared, that you haven't been um, lazy. And, 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 you know, that's what I love about you, uh, Chimp. You prepared. You sent me in the middle of July. You sent me already questions. And so I could prepare myself so we can make this podcast as epic as possible. Mm -hmm. You're not just talking here off the seat of our pants. We were like, what are the real challenges people have? And so... Um, that's where it goes to. When you have a fear of failure, you don't ignore your failure. You say, what is it that I'm afraid of? And I call that preventive pessimism. What we do with when you drive a car, you can have an accident, right? So we put on a seatbelt. I hope you do. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, we have airbags. Um, when I had my little um, AMG, which is a fast, small, light car, which we know the risk in, in driving the AMG um, is that the, because it's a back wheel drive or whatever it's called, I don't know the details, rear wheel, yeah. but it's rear wheel, thank you. Yes. It can spin out. That's the important information for me. It can spin easily. So I went and had driver training with that car so that in case it does spin, I know what to do. And so what I see with traders is that they read in a book, you have to be disciplined, you have to take your losses, you have, your, you have to let your profits run, and then they think they can do that. And when they can't do it, they go into positive thinking. Okay, so from now on, I will be very, very disciplined. From now on, I take every loss. It's bullshit, you can't. Because like shooting a hoop, like running a court, or like... Um, um, 
being a defender in a team, you need to practice that skill. And that is possibility thinking. When you say, now, right now, I am confronted with this situation. I lo let my losses run. Or I take my profits too early. Right, Michael? Now, I know that there is, <laughs> there is something that's exciting for me because I have found out the gap. And when I work on this gap, when I fill that gap, I can be 10 times the trader I am right now, 10 times the player I am right now. Yippee, it's a you know, party, bring it on. Now I know how to not only make 10,000, but to make 100,000 when I have filled that gap. And so traders then have to go like Michael Jordan did and practice this hoops. I hope that story is true because uh, Jim told me that most stories are made up in basketball when I watch <laughs> movies. It's so very disappointing to me. But, but you know what I do with my traders then? Let's say I have a trader who went on tilt. Then I identify exactly what type of tilt was it because not every tilt is the same. For everyone, it's a different reason, a different context, a different type of tilt. And then when we found out what the type of tilt is, that's the emotional part. We deal with it. We make them feel at peace. They can deal with anything that they're, um, that they're um, confronted with in life. And so for that kid, most probably it was like, I can't deal with losing my mom. I'm so afraid of losing her. And then my job would be, you know what, I know it's really hard and it's not what we want, but you will find a way and I will teach you, I will show you how to deal with it and how to be okay with it, how to get through that. I have your back. And then going to the technical part. So go on live market replay when you have been going on tilt. You, do you guys know what live market replay is? No, man. Okay, so a live market replay is when you can go, let's say, to the beginning of the year, 2020, 1st of January, mm -hmm. and you trade the market as it unfolds. So there's software that recreates that market as it unfolded. And so you can pretend trading in the first week of January. Oh, wow. That would be interesting. And this is amazing. This is the best tool ever. And this is what makes my traders succeed. I'd, I'd be I a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can tell you that's, that's you going back on the court and practicing your drills. Mm -hmm. And then you go and you practice taking a loss. So I do that with life. Um, here in Australia, we can trade really small. So we can trade 10 cents a a, a, a tick. So if the um, Dow Jones would go from um, um, 27.937 to 27.938, you make or lose 10 cents. Mm -hmm. So I tell my trader, get a $100 account and then practice taking losses. It needs to be practiced. You need to learn to be okay with all the feelings that are being triggered when taking a loss all the associations we have around money and you guys know um I, I used to be a mortgage broker in my previous life um in in 2000 and we always said people rather talk about their sex life than about their finances <laughs> that's how they that's how they feel about it and so you need to learn to be okay with all the feelings that come up when you take a loss all the feelings that come up when you see the market turning around and um, taking your profits, reducing your profits. And at the same time, Michael, learning what is the technical reason for me to exit? Because you exit based on a feeling, based on an emotion. Mm -hmm. And our feelings and our emotions, they lie to us. They're never the truth. We need so to you tell the, I'll tell all the gamblers out there, the next time you get a bad beat, you need to learn how to deal with it. 
No, for sure. Would you agree with that, Coach? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I've I, I've taken my fair share of bad beats, but um, you know it, it's funny when you, you want to study, and I, I found this to be true in, in some of my gambling is you want to study what went wrong on your bad beats, but you never care about how you won. So, you know, chances are you're probably on, it's probably an equal, it's probably an equilibrium as far as both sides, as far as when you win, something crazy probably happened. Just like when you lose, something crazy usually happens. Exactly. And we do it the other way around, Michael. Mm -hmm. We have a strategy. I hope you do the same, Mr. Tim. Mm -hmm. And um, I have my strategy that is being tested, that I have statistics for, and I know when I do well and when I don't do well. I keep my statistics all the time in front of my eyes. I know my expectancy. I know my profit rate. I know my winning rate. I know um, my biggest losing streak. I know my worst losing streak. I know that after seven profitable trades, I tend to get sloppy. I call it my superwoman syndrome. That's right. And yep. after, after you know seven profitable trades, that I start um, making mistakes. Yep. And it's the you same know what. Mm -hmm. Go for it. You know, you know, Mandy. What's interesting, and I've talked to uh, to Michael about this when it comes to the way I gamble. Uh, the way I gamble on sports and the way I trade is goes back to that quote: "How you do one thing, you do everything." Mm -hmm. It's very similar. I try to get the odds in my favor as much as possible because I know I'm going to lose, mm -hmm. and I'm, yeah. you know, that's just the way it is. So. That, I just come full circle back to that quote. It's so interesting. I gamble on sports really the same way I trade. So, yeah. um, so which is sometimes not very good, but <laughs> uh, it's, it's just it's interesting. But, Mandy, um, I tell you what, I think, Coach, it's about that time we put Mandy in the bonus. Oh, I believe so. I believe so for sure. Do you have anything else before, I, before we do that? Uh, no, um, I, I guess we'll just explain, Mandy, I, I know you've listened to the podcast before, but what we do is at the end of each show, um, the, the term putting, putting you in the bonus is in American basketball or basketball in general, I'm sure, is once a team reaches seven personal fouls, the other team goes into the bonus and shoots free throws. So what Chimp does is he comes up with a, a package of seven questions that are completely random that he's going to go ahead and ask you so our, our listeners can get to know you a little bit better as well. Oh, boy. Don't ask me if I Googled my first kiss, okay? <laughs> it's too long ago. <laughs> well, they, these are, are pretty pretty benign. Champ, you're cutting out on us, bud. <laughs> hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, there no, you are. Yep. Hello? Yes, yes sir. Yep. I got you. Yep. All right, yeah, all right. All right, question number one. Does your pal Anthony Crudelli have the best head of hair of any human being on the planet? <laughs> he absolutely has, and I think he's the envy of every man out there. Absolutely the best. And I was <laughs> I was blessed to meet him in person and actually test if it is his real hair, you know. I was being suspicious, but I can tell you it is. It's the real deal. It, and well, we also coach, share the same me. birthday. Yeah, we do. I share the same birthday, but that it it, it and, and it, me that, too. That's that's that, do really? Yeah. <laughs> wow, how about that? But yeah, well, coach, you gotta see this guy's hair hair. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I gotta have to, I'll have to look him up. <laughs> 
All right. Question number two. Uh, what, is, what is a country that you have not visited that you would really like to visit? Mm, that I have not visited. There's so many. Can I have three? Sure. Sure. <laughs> I'm an overachiever. I always want more. <laughs> um, I really want to go to Bhutan. Um, I don't even know what nature. that is. B-U-T-A-N, it's somewhere in Asia. Okay. It's a really small kingdom and there's no cars and you have to kind of get up into the mountains. It's somewhere in the mountains. Um, I would love to go into the desert in um, somewhere in some Arabian country. I haven't explored which one is yet and ride a camel through the desert and also ride an Arabian stallion through the desert. And I would love to another country. Um, I would love to go to Russia. I have this love-hate relationship with Russia. And I, I think it's because of my upbringing. You know, Russia was always like the enemy. But it's right. also a very fascinating country and apparently very, very beautiful. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. Question number three. What is your favorite beer or cocktail? Ha. Sorry, I'm German. It's beer. Um, okay. German white beer. So in Munich, we have this famous beer keller, so, um, you know, this famous brewery, and it's called Francis, uh, Augustina. And that's my favorite beer, Augustina beer. <laughs> Augustina beer. Okay. All right. Question number four. Give I love me your questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. Give me two Australian slang terms that all Americans need to know. Can I be crude? Yes, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. The, cr the cruder, the better. Yeah, yes, sir. I fancy a fag. Oh, my gosh. Is that, but does that mean I, I want a cigarette? Is that what that means? That means I want a cigarette. Okay, yeah. Yeah, all right. All right. And I know it, it can mean something else in American language. Yeah, I just, I just want to clear that up because I caught that. I thought that's what it meant, but yeah. <laughs> um, so that was just a funny one for you guys. Um, um, <laughs> and um, wow. I'm piss, about, farting. How, I'm pi I'm piss farting around. Is that American? Piss farting. Piss farting. Oh. No, I've yeah. never heard anybody say that before. Yeah. So piss farting around is when you just, you know, you move from one room to the other, you sit in front of your computer, but you don't get any work done, but you really need to get some work done. It's piss farting yeah, we, around. Yeah, we, we basically call that fucking off in America. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, question number five. We talked about fear earlier. Mm -hmm. What is your greatest fear? Mm. My, I think my greatest fear is to not having lived life to everything that I'm able to, to the, like, you know, I, I want to live life to the fullest. Like I, there's so much more to explore. Um, 
I want to travel. I want to meet more amazing people. I've been so lucky. You know, I've met amazing people like you know Linda Rushke to just hang out with her. I have a total girl crush on her. Right? She's such an amazing person. And and even, you know Anthony Crudeli is amazing. And and so there's so many more people that I want to hang out with. Countries to explore, um, things to explore. So I think my greatest fear is that I will have an injury and I can't do the things that I want to do, like heli skiing. Um, climbing up mountains, yeah, that's um, not being able to live life to the fullest. Okay, we're getting close here. Question number six: What is the best and worst thing about living in Melbourne? <laughs> the best thing is that we have the second best coffee in the world. I would say the best one Ooh. is New Zealand, and we have a coffee culture that is. I've never, ever experienced anywhere in the world. And I have traveled extensively. So that's the best. Um, really nice people here as well, interesting people. The worst thing is our beaches are just horrendous. So you're constantly, you know, you, you think you're in paradise because it's a nice beach, but the water is yucky because it's like a bay and they pump um, a lot of yucky stuff into the ocean, <laughs> sewage. So I'm not swimming here at all. Whereas when you go up to Sydney, you have these beautiful beaches and the waters, you know, open oceans, just amazing. That's the worst thing I would say about Melbourne. All right. Uh, question number seven. This is going to be a two-part question here. Yeah. Uh, give our uh, listeners two people on Twitter that they absolutely must follow, one for inspiration and the other for trading. Hmm. Oh my God, the pressure is on. <laughs> Inspiration. I would say you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't tweet that much, to be honest, about inspiration <laughs> i'm just so busy um i i like to use twitter as you know hanging out with people but i would say brett steinbarger is still the best in the business um okay. so um you know you only need to read his books that's all you need and that's what i said before in 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 dm everything that a trader needs to know in terms of succeeding is already written and and brett's work is just outstanding um but it's the implementation that's the challenge so i would say brett um and jedi marcus oh can i have three sure, sure. so jedi marcus 77 777 he is my absolutely favorite when it comes to markets he's super funny and um, he's an amazing trader and of course jimmy jude you know Jimmy Jude, right? No. Uh, I, I have seen some of his tweets oh before. So he's uh, Jimmy Jude 13. Okay. Well, yeah. Mandy, you, you have been fabulous. You are now in the bonus. And, and I have to tell you, this, this, your visit has exceeded my expectations. You're absolutely fabulous. Oh, thank you. Uh, one, one of the kindest people I've met on Twitter. Uh, I think you're fantastic. And thank you for coming on with us. And please keep making me laugh with your really funny. I, I, um, I have, I have to... one question that came to me while we were just going through. Go the for it. On, on, <laughs> Discovery Channel, okay? I, I watched quite a bit uh -huh. of Discovery Channel. Say Shark Week or 
the world's deadliest animals or the, the world's deadliest snakes or spiders or whatever on all those shows that air in the States, Australia, <laughs> Australia is the home of like 70% of those lists. Yep. <laughs> how, how, like it, it makes people frightened of Australia in terms of, of nature and animals and, and things like that. It, does that even enter into your daily lives in Australia or is it just what it is and you guys just carry on? Do you guys have to take extra precautions or, or what is it like over there as far as data? Yeah, it's like trading. There's so many sharks in the market, right? Every, <laughs> yeah. every, you know, the tax has fucked me over so many times, you know? <laughs> sharks. But it's about knowing, knowing, knowing the risks. So for example, when I um, leave clothes on the floor, I am not just picking up my jeans and getting to my jeans. I shake them out and look for spiders wow. because they, lie, they love hiding in, in, in clothes. And right? when I go out into the bush, I keep an eye and uh, looking out because I know, number one, what they look like because not every, every um, snake is dangerous. Sure. Um, and then I know how they behave. I also know that if I were bitten by a snake, what to do. Mm-hmm. If I were bitten by a spider, what to do? So I do my risk management. I do my um, possibility thinking, right? My pessimistic, um, um, preventative pessimism of what do I do if that happens? How you do one And then thing I don't need to do be do afraid everything. anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a way of life. I just uh, there's some crazy asshole that has a show on Discovery Channel. He's like a a game warden or something, and he I see him fishing black mambas out of trees and shit like that. And I'm just like, that's what? just insane. I, I can't even imagine doing shit like that. <laughs> Mandy, I will, I will um, um, echo what the chimp said. This, this show tonight absolutely exceeded my expectations. Um, I had a great time. I'm so glad that you took the time to join us tonight. And uh, um, I may have to, uh, to call upon you for, for some coaching in the future and pick your brain a little bit as well. <laughs> Always happy to. Thank you so much for having me and um, um, allowing me to be a little, be a little bit crude. Um, sure. Which I'm being told this is not ladylike. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would never tell you. I think it's hilarious. I, I loved every second of it. <laughs> me too. You have an awesome rest of the day, an amazing week ahead. It'll yes, be interesting. Man. You as well. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you. Mandy. Thank you, Tim. All right, that was Mandy from Melbourne. I really hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I. All right, guys, that was Mandy from Melbourne. I hope you guys really enjoyed that. You know, try to try to think outside the box a little bit. Try to do a little something different. See if you guys have a, an affinity for for a podcast like that. Um, I had a good time, kind of stepping outside my comfort zone, um, revealing how little I sometimes know about certain things that I'm actually involved with. And uh, you know, I, I just hope you guys had a good time with it. I hope uh, you hung with us. As uh, we talked about some interesting topics, I think, shared some stories. I thought it was really fun. Um, we went a little long, obviously, but, uh, you know, when the content's good, I, I, I think that it's fine how long it goes. Joe Rogan doesn't seem to have a problem with his his uh, his listenership, and he goes four hours of podcast sometimes, but I'm no Joe Rogan. So, uh, absolutely, uh, you know, go to Apple Podcasts, like, listen, review, um, share the podcast, you know, get the word out. Um, again, I say this every week, I think we're the best ACC podcast going. Um I love the the run that we've been on recently, and I, I'm having a great time with it. Uh, follow me on Twitter at ACCBR1. Follow uh, the chimp at Carrie Chimp, C-A-R-A-Y Chimp. And follow Mandy, uh, MPX underscore trader. 
um, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, we'll see you next week. I, I, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I'll see you next week for... Uh, yet to be determined guest. We're uh, trying to work out some kinks as we always do, but I think we're always getting some of the best guests out there and uh, putting out a quality podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. Later.